The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. The first day of a new Premier League season, always a big day. But for Brentford Football Club, their biggest in 75 years and their very first taste of the Premier League. The Bees kick off with a London derby against Arsenal. That's at 3 p.m. Eastern. Before that, let's catch you up on the summer's headlines. Jack Grealish became the most expensive player in British history after Manchester City bought him from Aston Villa for $139 million. The 25-year-old midfielder made his debut in the Community Shield last weekend and is expected to play on Sunday for City against Spurs. For just a few million dollars less, Romelu Lukaku was signed by Chelsea. The deal went through yesterday and the Belgian returns to the club he joined as a teenager 10 years ago. And it's a signing that now makes Chelsea some people's title favourites. So what of Manchester United? Well, the year-long Jadon Sancho transfer saga finally ended with the England star arriving at Old Trafford for $100 million from Borussia Dortmund. And the fans are also happy with the incoming signing to partner Harry Maguire. Raphael Varane, not official yet, but will soon arrive from Real Madrid. One player who could end up costing more than all of those mentioned already is Harry Kane. Are we in for another protracted transfer that will see him move on the final day of this window? Well, Kane didn't turn up to training when Spurs expected him to and has made no secret of his desire to leave. But as of now, he's still a Tottenham player, but City want him. Four managers take charge of their first matches with their new clubs this weekend. A couple of familiar faces. Rafa Benitez has crossed the Merseyside divide and is now in charge of Everton. Arsenal legend Patrick Vieira has picked up the reins at Crystal Palace in his first managerial job in England. And Bruno Large takes over at Wolverhampton Wanderers after Nuno Espirito Santo left for Spurs. Off the pitch, after that harrowing image of Denmark's Christian Eriksen collapsing during Euro 2020 with a cardiac arrest, the Premier League announced in June they would be funding defibrillators for more than 2,000 sites across football, all the way down to grassroots level, in a bid to ensure lives are saved in similar circumstances. And finally, after nearly 18 months away, bar the odd week here or there, the fans are back. Full capacity at every stadium in the Premier League. Plenty of noise. The atmosphere is set to be electric. It'll be like the old days, as we're reminded starting today of the importance, the role of the fan plays in the beautiful game.
That's caught you up. What about this weekend? How's it looking? Brentford Arsenal is on the way. Let me just give you a little team news. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Alexander Lacazette, both unwell. So neither of those can start today for Arsenal in West London. Tomorrow we get things kicked off with Manchester United against Leeds on NBCSN. We are going back to the original schedule. So plenty of 10 a.m. Eastern games. Everton Southampton's on NBCSN. Leicester Wolves is on USA. Three games, including the European champions. Chelsea taking on Palace. They're on Peacock. On NBC tomorrow at 12.30, it's Norwich, Liverpool and Sunday. Both games are on NBCSN. We have a two-hour build-up from seven ahead of Newcastle against West Ham and Tottenham against Manchester City. Good afternoon and a warm welcome inside our Premier League studio. I'm Rebecca Lowe. It's been nearly three months, but they've been reunited. The two Robbies are back. Robbie Musto, Robbie Earl. Lovely to see you both. Mm -hmm. So that was the taster there, Robbie Earl. Yeah. The things that have been going on over the course of the summer. What's the top of your mind? The top of my mind, Rebecca, is the best league in the world has just got stronger. Fans being back in the stadium will heighten, will elevate the football we see on, on the pitch. And when you talk about what we see on the pitch... I look at the, the big four teams, the two Manchesters, Liverpool and Chelsea. We thought this might be a summer with the pandemics and revenues down where people didn't spend. Everybody's bulked up. Everybody spent money. Everybody looks stronger. I look at that front four, Rebecca, and I'm starting to struggle which one I really fancy because if one gets off to a good start, they could go all the way. It's just one of those summers where... Every team looks stronger. Every team looks ready to go. And they had to, Robbie Musser, didn't they? Because Manchester City winning by 12 points last yeah. season. The others had to do something. Yeah, and they have. Uh, and big spending, big clubs and big improvements. And I think when you consider the last two or three years in the Premier League, it's been Man City, Liverpool, and they've been very, very strong. The others had to improve and they really, really have. Manchester United have fixed problems. Centre-back in Rafa Varane isn't confirmed yet, I believe, but is going to sign for the football club. It's a world-class centre-back. Jadon Sancho solves a problem at right side of midfield that's been there for, for years on the right side for Man United. Chelsea, we saw them last year, dominate, improve under the new manager, Tuchel, but just didn't score enough goals given the chances that they had. I've got a Robbie Earl term, a plug-and-play striker in Romelu Lukaku comes back to the club. They are better. When you, again, like you're trying to consider the title race and who's going to win it, every owner of those four clubs, and Liverpool spent a little bit in a new centre-back, will believe... Well, the injuries come back for Liverpool's... Yeah, it's, that's, so that's an improvement. Really so better. every owner will believe that yeah. their team and the fans can absolutely win the title this season. Before kick-off, by the way, in West London, we are going to touch on every single Premier League team and talk about their season both here and across the pond as well. Mm. And, Robbie, when you look at those big four that they've all strengthened, what yeah. about the rest of the league? How are they all going to shake out? It's an interesting, Rebecca, because we say it's an open title race, if you think, with those four. It's an open league this, this year. I, I look at certain clubs. I've written a couple down. I said Palace, Wolves, Southampton, Burnley. The kind of teams that, if things go well, they could finish sixth or seventh. Things go badly. They could be 16th or 17th. You just don't know this season what's going to happen. Rafa Benitez has gone in at Everton. Nuno Santos has gone in at Spurs. Like, what are they going to do with big clubs who are ambition? There's just this feeling where the league could be anything this year, and that makes it so different, so special. And Nuno's got a big problem on his hands, as you know, with the situation surrounding Harry Kane. How yes. do you feel about the Kane situation? Well, I feel frustrated about it, and I'm sure the, the fans do as well. There's a kind of thought that, you know what, he's done an amazing job for us, we expect him to move on. Daniel Levy, absolutely not. Not in, unless we get top, top dollar for him. The problem I think that I have with that is that the manager is trying to plan for a new season. Mm. He's thinking, is he going to be there? Is he not going to be there? Do I get the money in the market? If he leaves it too late, Rob, yeah. then it's right at the end of the window, 
he won't have time to buy new players. So this is a real problem for Spurs. Well, Daniel Levy might not want to spend the money with Becker. They, you know, Spurs have lost a lot of money over the pandemic with this new stadium, etc., etc. Mm. Harry Kane, if that number gets to anywhere near £150 million, will go. We know Daniel Levy, we know how Man City work. He will leave at the end of the And that, that will affect the title race. That's I mean, if he yeah. does go to City, Rebecca, I mean, wow. That's, 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 that's um, ready to go. Yeah. August the 31st is the final yeah. day of the transfer window. Of course, we will be live for any Harry Kane goings-on if it hasn't happened up to then. Now, we have the full complement of our NBC team in position in Brentford <laughs> at the Brentford Community Stadium as we head into our ninth season together, chaps. Graham Lasso, Lee Dixon... And Arlo White. Over to you, chaps. Thanks, Rebecca. One more season, we get a testimonial, chaps, and a gold watch each, don't we? <laughs> Let's hope we get there. Well, the pitch side desk is back. That's great news to start with, and we'll be watching all the warm-ups of the players of Brentford at Arsenal later on today. The community stadium is starting to fill with the first fans. That's fantastic. Just less than 18,000 fit into this uh, season-old uh, stadium here for Brentford. <laughs> Gentlemen, picking up on what the Robbies were talking about, what grabbed you in terms of headlines in the off-season, Graham? Yeah, I think the focus of specific clubs spending huge amounts of money on very talented, specific individual players. And, and I think it's that sort of that pyramid as you go up, the sort of the, the ability of players, that just the numbers are mouth-watering, especially against the backdrop of last season with the European Super League noise, the, the pandemic and the impact of finances on all clubs that you've got, teams like Manchester United, Manchester City and Chelsea, spending such huge amounts of money on on players that they feel can really make the difference. I think Lukaku at Chelsea, you know, he'd done so well under Tuchel defensively. Only three losses in those, those, those final 19 games that he was in charge. And if there's one thing throughout that sort of run-in that Chelsea had, you said that Chelsea would need in the summer, was a striker. And with Lukaku for nearly 100 million, um, you're looking at someone who they'll be expecting to score 20 yeah. goals a season. So I think that suddenly puts them, in terms of their on-field sort of shape, suddenly looks like the complete picture for me for Chelsea. Have, they could really be a threat. I have been surprised a little bit with the amount of money that's been spent. I thought it would be toned down a little bit, but we've been blown out of the water with some of those figures and there might be a bigger one yet to come <laughs> just around the corner. <laughs> um, we, I mentioned it just now. We saw one or two fans who we've got here a little bit earlier to get a taste. Now, Euro 2020 was phenomenal during yeah. the summer in this country. England got to the final at Wembley, lost to Italy on penalties, but the whole nation was gripped uh, with, with the fortunes of, of the three Lions. Uh, Thomas Frank, the manager of Brentford, said the atmosphere tonight is going to be similar to the atmosphere at Wembley for the semi-final yeah. against Denmark and the final against Italy. What sort of difference does it make, Lee? You were at a lot of those games, weren't you? It's huge. I think we've, we've got a new sign-in this summer, um, the start of the season, and, it, and it's and it's adrenaline, and that's all coming from the fans because players get themselves up for games. There's no doubt about that. Well, they got used to playing without supporters, but there's there's something special about running out before the game is even kicked off at three o'clock or whenever you're kicking off. That five minutes before the game was my, my that was the best moment of my football careers. Was that five to three before, before I've made a mistake, before I've done something wrong? It's that, and the fans make that. They make you play in a different way. They make managers coach differently. They make decisions for managers when they start getting on the back of players. All of a sudden, the coach gets a nod, we need to make a change. Mm -hmm. So it changes the whole dynamics. And I think tonight you're going to see something. I, I'm, a, I'm an Arsenal fan, obviously, but I've got a season ticket here. I'm a kind of Brentford 
fan as well. I, I love the club. I think what you're going to see here is something a little bit special. And Thomas Frank's got a group of players now who's going to take this club and they are going to attack the Premier League. Make no mistake about that. And, and leading on from that, I think it's the connection between the, you know, the stands and the pitch. Mm. And that gets the best out of people. It sets a demand. It sets a standard and expectation. That's always something that I think has been really yeah. special about the Premier League and the First Division when we first started playing football. The atmosphere that, that, that was created, the, the demands from the crowds was so important. And players either thrive on that or they buckle. So you're going to see different players performing differently now that, that, yeah. now that crowds are back. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, there we go. Rebecca, I got a new jacket for the new season. Lee got a new mullet. Graham, <laughs> similar perfection to last season already. <laughs> bit of a treat for you now let's take you back to west london and joining arlo white is a couple of our sky sports colleagues jamie mm. carragher and gary neville chaps over to you thank you rebecca uh, chaps I, I trust you summered well i understand you went to the same island during the summer i mean you're inseparable on air surely you you met up did you at some point in I ibiza I made a big mistake of following the recommendation of going to Ibiza for the first time in my life. And actually, he invited me out to a restaurant, but I got turned away. He had shorts on. He had shorts on. I had shorts typical, th typical Manchester behaviour. <laughs> 35 Awkward. degrees and got turned away, so Awkward. I didn't end up seeing him. Awkward. So your pre-season wasn't great. No. Can't no. wait for the season to start. You've heard what the chaps were saying there about Harry Kane, Gary. What is your reading of the situation going into the season? Um bit of a mess. Uh, Harry Kane not turning up for training. You have to turn up for training. So, you know, I love Harry Kane, one of the most professional players that I've ever had the privilege of coaching and working with and know. But you have to turn up for training. You can't just not, you know, can't disrespect your teammates. You can't disrespect your club. But there's a big problem there between Harry Kane and the ownership. I think he will end up leaving in the next couple of weeks because what he's done, to be fair, mean, for me feels like there's no coming back from. But we'll see what happens. Jamie? This thing of a gentleman's agreement is a load of nonsense. I, I don't agree with that gentleman's agreement. There should be something in the contract or he's got to go for what the value of the player is. And the value of that player is, a, is 150 million if Jack Grealish is 100 million. Mm. Now, that's what City have paid for Jack Grealish. So Harry Kane's a better player than Jack Grealish. So if they pay top dollar, I'm convinced he will go. And I think Spurs just want the money they want. And I don't think they've ever said he won't go. It's just Man City have to pay the money. And we also know Man City have the money. I don't agree with the 150 million, 100 million relationship between Jack Grealish and Harry Kane because San Sancho goes to United for 70 million and I think he's the equal of Jack Grealish. I don't think you can compare like for like the actual transfer fees. Speaking of Manchester United, Gary, um, two big players have been signed. You just mentioned Sancho, Varane as well. Is the pressure this season on Ollie more than it has been in the past with the new contract as well to get into that title race? It will be. I think there is a big expectation that he has to. I think Manchester United will improve. The problem for Manchester United is the business that Chelsea have done. If Liverpool returns to the best, then they still could be in a position whereby they're not good enough. That's my fear at the moment. I actually want them to go for Kane. I, I don't understand why they're not entering that race. Mm. Manchester United have always bought the best British player or Premier League player and they're not in that race and I don't know why because they need a centre-forward. Cavani's only going to last one more year. In a year this time they're going to need to buy someone it's Haaland or nothing really big players back for Liverpool Jamie can they get back to anything like the team they were a couple of years ago they can get back to that whether that would be enough who knows Gary just mentioned the competition I think they need one more player an attacking player because I think at this moment if Liverpool are going to go for the title at this moment they will lack goals there's too much pressure on Salah on Mane at the moment so I think one more sign before the window and they could do it dinner reservations tonight any dress code 
as you are. <laughs> Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Friday night grass, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> have a great season, you two. You're oh, a lot on, on Sky Sports. Thank you very much. We have a dress code. We have standards at oh! NBC. Just a reminder of some of the biggest storylines over the course of the summer in and around the Premier League. Jack Grealish, City have signed him for $139 million from Aston Villa. That was a British record transfer fee. What about Manchester United? They've got Jadon Sancho in for $100 million from Borussia Dortmund. They are set to sign. Hasn't quite got over the line yet. Rafael Varane from Real Madrid, but it should do certainly in the next day or two. Chelsea yesterday confirmed the signing of Romelu Lukaku back at his old club for $135 million from Inter Milan. Arsenal signed Ben White, who makes his Arsenal debut tonight in the Premier League for 70 million from Brighton and Liverpool haven't done anything up top but they have strengthened at the back Ibrahim Konate for 51 million dollars from RB Leipzig and these are the kind of the stories that our newest member of our NBC Premier League team will talk about and bring us over the course of the season standing areas next to Arlo White David Ornstein who is the football correspondent for the Athletic who has a Monday column which we all read avidly now he is working for us David from all of us here in the United States it's a huge welcome and I hand it over to you, Arlo. Rebecca, thank you. For the first time in 18 months, I can barely hear what you're saying because the Brentford squad have just come out for their warm-ups and the fans went crazy and it's put goosebumps on my forearms. David, welcome to the team as our thank Premier you. League insider and our top summer signing. Let's talk about another potential signing, shall we, to kick things off. Harry Kane, will he, won't he go to Manchester City? What's your information? Arlo, firstly, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, Harry Kane is going to be the story of the rest of the transfer window. We know that he wants to leave Tottenham Hotspur for Manchester City. We know that Manchester City want to sign him. And they are going to stay. They're going to wait, but they're not going to go above and beyond where they want to go, which is £100 million. They could stretch further with add-ons to 20 or £30 million extra but not anywhere near the reported 150, 160 million pounds. This is all in the hands of Daniel Levy, the Tottenham chairman. If he doesn't want to sell Harry Kane, and that's his stance at the moment, he's not for sale, then he will not be selling Harry Kane. If Harry Kane stays, he, I'm told, my understanding is, will get on with his profession. He wants to score goals. He wants to play for England in the World Cup qualifiers, the 2022 World Cup. He wants to become the Premier League's all-time record goal scorer, and I don't doubt his professionalism. But this is a huge story that is not going away and I suspect in the next week or so Manchester City will try again it depends how far they manage to test Tottenham's resolve and whether Tottenham change their stance Do we expect him to play on Sunday? I think there's a good chance he'll be on the bench rather than start, largely because of the quarantine he's had to go through. He only came back into training with the group today, so it might be a little bit early. Um, but he is part of the group, and I think Tottenham want to keep this calm and try and reintegrate him, but we're going to keep talking about it. Tottenham, of course, play Manchester City on Sunday. We'll have a pitch-side desk at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Let's switch North London clubs to Arsenal. They're depleted, illness in the camp, there's no Aubameyang, there's no Lacazette, they had Covid issues earlier in pre-season, is this the sort of build-up that Mikel Arteta wanted and what explains his lack of action really in the mm. transfer window? It's deeply disruptive, you mentioned the USA tour that was cancelled because of a Covid outbreak in the camp, let's be clear this is going to be going across the league, across European and world football, uh, however it has hit Arsenal particularly hard, I broke the story today that there would be no Aubameyang or Lacazette they are unwell, and that's meant the start for following Balogun today. Um, Arsenal's preparations uh, have, have not gone to plan, it's, it's safe to say. They did bring in some early recruits in Ben White, who we'll see today. Nuno 
Tavares on the bench, Albert Sambi-Lukonga starting too. But they need to do more. They need to look for a creative player. We understand that they're in some conversations for Martin Odegaard of Real Madrid, who they had on loan and would like to take on a permanent basis. But they still probably need to do more. Maybe another attacker. Maybe a backup goalkeeper. Well, they want one for sure. They've got a young boy on the bench today because their second-choice goalkeeper is missing. So Arsenal's transfer window is far from done. And you see the arms race that's going on above them. Teams spending so much money. Arsenal are hanging on their coattails and they'll need to invest pretty heavily and hope Mikel Arteta can blend the squad nicely if they're going to compete. We're still reeling from the tumult towards the end of last season of the potential and proposed Super League that collapsed almost as soon as it, it began. But UEFA have plans, it seems, to introduce a salary cap. What's the latest on that, David? Yeah, so this is a story that was broken by Martin Ziegler in The Times. He's very close to UEFA, and he's very authoritative on these issues. What he's saying is that financial fair play, which has been derided in so many quarters for so many years now, which looks back at finances over a three-year period historically and is largely regarded as not being fit for purpose, is going to be done away with, and they will replace it with um, a new mechanism whereby clubs have their salaries monitored and you can only spend up to a certain percentage of your revenue on salaries, say 70%. If you go over that, there'll be something that the US audiences will be used to in baseball, basketball and so on, a luxury tax. Maybe if you spend $1 over, you'll have to pay $1 into a pot that will be redistributed to the other teams. That's going to cause controversy because many teams will just spend over knowing that they can buy whoever they want, spend whatever they want, and it won't be a particular issue. But it will also give teams at the bottom the ability to do the same. So in one sense, it could be deemed fairer than financial fair play, but I think it's going to be the future, and it may be ratified, according to this report, at a UEFA meeting in Switzerland next month. David, I think that was the equivalent of a debut hat-trick. Well <laughs> done, you. welcome to the team. David will be our Premier League insider throughout the season. Rebecca, we'll send it back to you. Back here in the studio with Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl. Robbie Earl, I'll start with mm. you. Mm. I mean, talk about being churned Ooh. up. You saw it on the faces of yeah. some of the fans, Thomas Frank, the players as well. <sighs> Emotional. That is what the Premier League is all about, Rebecca. When you've been an archetypal lower league football club, which Brentford have, and they produce good players and they produce good managers, but they don't play in the Premier League. Well, they did today, and they didn't only play, they played well. At the moment, they're top of the league, Brentford, they're top of the table. What a night it's going to be in West London. And the biggest compliment I, I can give is that Thomas Frank's team looked better grooved, understood what they were about, and had a better base than Arsenal. And I know Arsenal are missing stars and names and that, but... Tonight, they deserve their three points. I don't think they surprise their own fans, but they perhaps have surprised some fans watching here in the United States who've never seen Brentford play, would mm. you agree? Yeah, and, and maybe didn't expect that they can be competitive and outplay, outmuscle, outthink the great Arsenal football club. Um, what a way to start the Premier League season. What a way to start your life in the Premier League, the first time ever in the Premier League, and thoroughly deserved, not just about their pressing and the expansive football that we know they can do, but also a direct approach. You know, the long throw-in, some of the long balls up to the front too. Mm. They, they played a complete game tonight. And at times it wasn't easy against Arsenal that got their football going in small periods. But the scenes, the atmosphere, the hey Jude that's on like repeat, repeat and repeat, was, uh, that was pretty special. And you just get the sense, it's a small club, as you yeah. said. They don't play in the Premier League yeah. while they're there. And you get the yeah. sense that there's a real relationship between fans, oh. players and manager. And that's special, Robbie. That's very special. And Thomas Franks has done a brilliant job because he went as Dean Smith's assistant 
many moons ago, five years or so ago, and stayed at the course, got players through, developed players, sold them, and we see the culmination in that now. They are going to bring something to the Premier League. And I'll tell you now, Rebecca, and I know these 37 more games to go in these difficult games. They're going to win it? They ain't going down. (laughs) Tonight, I'm in West London, they're going to win it. Even really romantic, (laughs) Robbie L. What a night we've had here at the pitch side desk at the Community Stadium in Brentford. And I'm delighted to say that Thomas Frank has joined us, a victorious manager. You said before this game you wanted the atmosphere in this stadium to be like the Euros, England against Denmark, England against Italy. Look, there are 17,500 fans in here. You are the conductor of the orchestra before the game. Was it the atmosphere that you wanted? Yeah, it was. It was electric. Uh, I promised the fans if uh, we will... Oh, the players will, would run themselves to the ground, but we need the fans as well. We, we can't do anything alone. We can only do things together. And they were absolutely amazing. And they deserved, you know, everything in this game and the win. And they, they must be so proud, you know. They, they will think about, oh, we are top of the league and all that. That is <laughs> true. But, but also <laughs> that it just gives them so much more proud. And hopefully they can, um, they, they can uh, push us uh, forward. Talking of pride, you must take immense pride because the game plan, you've got your identity, you stuck to that, you stayed true to your principles. With the players, you must take great pride in them not being distracted by the occasion and obviously the quality of the opposition. 100% agree. Uh, I'm very, very proud uh, of the team and the players um, because I thought that we were brave throughout the 90 minutes I thought that we kept pressing high uh, throughout the 90 minutes of course there's times I wanted a little bit more also spells I wanted us to play a little bit more but I thought they, 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 they showed so much uh, courage out there to constantly play constantly follow the game plan constantly go forward which we need to do if we want to win games Thomas I, I was at the playoff final because I'm a I'm a sideline. Secret but my, t- my season ticket's just up there behind the goal. So um, I was at the playoff final and I obviously was overjoyed when you when you got through. Is that high that you've had then compared to the high that you've had now, how difficult will it be to keep the players on a level keel now? The fact that they've won at the playoff, they're now in the Premier League and they've beat Arsenal first game of the season and you're top of the league. Um, I think I, I constantly have, you know, like four principles I, I, you know, I used to work, um, uh, I used to um, show to the players, you know, hard work, togetherness, performance and then attitude. Yeah. And when I talk about attitude, I talk about confidence but humble. Mm-hmm. So we need to be confident and believe we can go out here and, and put a performance out and actually believe we can beat Arsenal. Yeah. But also we need to be humble because that was one game. Yeah. <laughs> we need to perform uh, again on Monday when they're, when they're training and we need to perform against Crystal Palace. So I have a, a top group of players and I'm 100% sure they'll be ready uh, next Saturday. You seem really connected as a team and, and I thought tonight maybe with Arsenal the quality of players they had and you not come up against that quality before it might make the team a little bit, joint, bit disjointed but how, how do you, can you give me a brief sort of snapshot of how you create that connectivity when you've got the ball and when you lose the ball? Um, of course, it's something we, we work very hard on in terms of our structure, um, defensively and offensively. Uh, and in spells, I thought it looked really good. In spells, I thought mm, they need to, to be adjusted a few bits. But it's something, yeah, we, we work very hard on. And then, you, you, you know as well, it's the bits in between where we lose the ball, where we need to get, you know, head down under the ball. And that's something we built over the last couple of years. And the players, you know, when new players are coming in, they, they tell them, that, you know, this is the standards, you know, this is what you need to, to do. So. 
Thomas, you've got a good thing going on here, haven't you? Three yeah. points on the board, beautiful stadium, raucous set of fans and a fantastic set of players. Congratulations Thank on you. your first night in the Premier League and we look forward to watching you time and time again. Thanks for joining us live here on NBCSN. Mikael, thanks for joining us. A difficult opening night here in West London for you. Where exactly did that performance go wrong tonight? Well, first of all, congratulations for Brentford for the game that they played. Um, they do really well what they did. Um, we didn't deal with one very important aspect that we worked in the game, which is dealing and the distances between the line when they play the long balls and, and they are 2 be 2 against your centre-backs and how you deal with the second and third ball. Only with that they are able to break our press and get in wide areas in the first half without not much nothing else and um, and we struggle every time we had to beat the pressure in the first half or use our keeper we had some difficulties in the second half it was very much different we were much more dominant um, we didn't allow them to do that as much as possible we created some situation but we didn't have enough presence in the box um, to generate more shots to hit the target more often and, and look more at a presence in in the box how difficult has pre-season been because You've had obviously a lot of players away coming back late and then obviously we've had the illness tonight or last night of the two players. How disruptive has pre-season been for you? It's been what it's been and this mm. COVID world and, and we got some important injuries but honestly against uh, after a defeat I don't want to use any excuses. Mm -hmm. uh, congratulations to Brentford. We weren't uh, good enough today to win this match and, uh, and we need big improvements. We're looking, obviously, from the commentary position, looking down on the game. One of the things I felt has been missing, and I'd say partly last season as well, is that lack of connectivity sometimes when you don't have the ball, that, that people arriving at, at an aggressive pace, getting in on people's faces. There's a little bit of hesitancy, I think, sometimes when you don't have the ball. Do you think that's a, a part of the game that you, the, the team can improve on? It can be. Um, I was more concerned about uh, the aerial duels, uh, the way we follow some of the runs after the ball goes over your head and how we manage those situations. That that in particular, I can remember about getting beat easily or giving enough time to the back line. They didn't. They they just played long uh, to, against our last line. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, only with that they created some issues. Mikel, you've got less than a month until the, the deadline day, of course. Um, we expect you, and I think you've said as well, you expect to do some business. Is anything you've seen out there today change your mind about what needs to be done in the transfer window before it closes? What I can do is try to work even harder with those players and get them better and, and perform better to win football matches. So moving forward, you've obviously got uh, two big games coming up and the players will be down and, and low at the moment. What are you going to do in training over the next few weeks? The same, or is there anything you're going to change in training? Oh, we always have to adapt training sessions in relation to the mood of the dressing room, mm -hmm. what they do, what you smell, the things that become more relevant on the game plan against a certain opponents. It's always uh, different. We will analyse it, get together, and um, this is a long season, and mm -hmm. it's only game day. One and uh, you are disappointed, but uh, you have to lift your everybody and, and be ready for the next mm -hmm. one. Mikhail, we appreciate you coming out, and I think the fans across the United States appreciate hearing from you okay. after the game. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Robbie, one of, mm. if not the best performance from Paul Pogba in a Manchester United shirt? Yeah. Um, statement by Pogba, statement by the football club. For eight years since we've had the right to Becca, we've been talking about what United used to be. That's who they used to be. Game was in the balance at 1-1 and they blow you away. That's what, how the old teams and Sir Alex Ferguson used to do. It's one game, but it's a start and it's a marker of where they can come. And you think Cavani, Rashford, Sancho and Varane to come into that team at certain periods, that's a, that's a decent start. What was the biggest difference about that performance to previous under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Well, I, I just think the, the energy and the quality and the movement, the fans though... The fans, I mean, it was a feel-good factor from minute one where Rafael Varane comes out, looks a million dollars, the fans go crazy, they start the game. I said before the game started, Man United have to be ready because Leeds, in their pre-season, they'll be ready. Man United were ready and then some. I mean, real quality there. All I would say, Rob touched on it, that's day one, mm. game one. Mm. Consistency has been this team's issues. I know they started off badly last year and got better. They've got to continue this. This is a statement. Yeah. It is a, a, a huge step on, on a path of getting the momentum for a title push. But the statement has to be, Rob, game, game one, win. Game two, three, four, win. All of a sudden, like, that's what 15 done points always. from, from the yeah. five games. And then we're talking about it. Well, the next three are Southampton, Wolves and Newcastle. Mm. So they have a chance to yep. get some points on the board early doors. Back to Graham Lasso, Lee Dixon and Arlo White. And I was talking about it, gentlemen, just a few minutes ago. All the big boys starting off with statements. Yes, and Liverpool certainly did today. What would Jurgen Klopp take away from that performance, Lee? I thought it was a brilliant performance. A few players out, um, pre-season. Always difficult first game of the season, especially going against a team that's just been promoted. You never quite know where they're at. They've had a brilliant um, season in the Championship. Slightly different football. A couple of injuries. Van Dijk coming back, not sure how he's going to play at this competitive level. So I think he'd be more than happy. Jota scoring, Salah back to his scoring and, and providing. Nothing went wrong. He didn't seem to have any injuries. Um, he bed everybody in. I don't think it could have gone any better. And, and, and also, you don't want everything to go your own way as a, as a team and as a coach. You want to have a few problems to solve and a few fires to put out. And they did that. You know, New, uh, Norwich started reasonably well and caused a few problems here and there. But really total control and a, and a little bit of a statement saying, do you know what? We're going to be competitive this season. Virgil van Dijk will have tougher days at the office. He does mm. seem to make defending look very, very easy. It's nice to be reminded of that today. But, you know, you kept a close eye on him as a fellow defender. What did you make of his performance? Yeah, very assured, as you'd expect. I think confident, you know, coming back from a serious knee injury. Until you, until you break down those barriers and get back to where exactly where you were when you got the injury, you're never quite sure. Everything's a milestone. And he'd have come off today being really pleased with his personal performance and how he physically dealt with the situation. Like you say, playing with one up front, Norwich, they didn't necessarily test Van Dijk and Martip too much. 
Um, but it's a it's a good baseline for, for Virgil and a clean sheet for the team, which is fantastic. Can you see a little bit of competition? Mm. I mean, it's inevitable at a club like Liverpool, but Jota got injured for a large part of last season, so the front three yeah. was the front three again. Mm. Four doesn't go into three, so do they look a little bit more energised by the competition? Well, three doesn't go into three for a season. You need people coming in and, and, and pushing you. Jota came in and was absolutely what Liverpool needed when they signed him. And then obviously having that injury, it's slightly different and everyone goes about Firmino. Mm. Oh, he's not scoring goals. He's, I'm telling you now, he's one of the first on the team sheet and it will be for a while. I think he's did, he's, his link-up play is absolutely brilliant. And as a player, whether you have a good season or a bad season previously, as a sports person, you need to reset targets and, and have something to push against, motivate you. So Salah had a great season last year individually. He wants to have a better season. That's his marker. Mane disappointing last season. Firmino disappointing last season. So competition's great but the self-motivation to to put right wrongs or keep mm. that standard is is what drives you as a player that's what gets you going and keeps delivering those high level performances that we expect person? from these players former. well allegedly i was <laughs> alleged former sports person uh, rebecca we're off back to london for a pitch side desk at tottenham tomorrow we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow morning Safe journey, chaps. Thank you very much indeed. I want to just talk about the lack of noise, really, around Liverpool this summer because they didn't get the checkbook out and buy big. But when you look at that team, two years ago, they ran away with the Premier League. So we shouldn't be too surprised that they're up there and kicking off well. Well, the, the problem, as the guys addressed there, is twofold, wasn't it, from last season, Rebecca? All the injuries to centre-backs, so Virgil van Dijk and Graham talking there about how he looked is really, really important. How does he look? How does he feel? If he gets back to his best, that's a different, a different back four. And then the front players. And as the guys talked about, again, there, the competition with Jota now scoring, Firmino now scoring is really, really important. So back to your point, yeah, like this, when those departments were working great, this team was phenomenal. Now, let me take it on a little bit further in the midfield area, mm. Robin. And, mm. and the midfield today was a little bit different. Henderson's yeah. to come back. Fabinho's probably going to start. Thiago oh, yeah. maybe be involved as well. Mm. I thought another... Plus was Naby Keita, who's had a good preseason, looked good today, Rob. So I think when you, when you start to break down the parts of this team, and yes, the, the huge signings weren't there, um, but they, they have got Ibrahim Konate, a centre-back, to come in if there's issues defensively. Love to have seen him uh, get some minutes as well. But I just think, and that's why I think all of us are saying yeah. that it's a, it's a top four and any of those four could totally win it this season. We saw Arsenal go to Brentford back, a newly promoted team, and get a bloody nose and, and come short. This Norwich team could have done the same to Liverpool. It started the game well, in, in fairness, and made one or two chances. Liverpool were efficient today. There's more to come. There'll be better performances. They'll, they'll, they'll score probably better goals than, than they did. I thought Mo Salah's appreciation of his teammates was important, something we haven't seen before. But if somebody's in a better place, you find it. He, he often gets seen as this greedy player. Virgil van Dijk, Rebecca, was the kind of player that when you're in a football club and you're in a dressing room, and there's that guy's in the team sheet. You think we're all right today. That's how important he is. To keep him fit and keep him on the team is important. And the other big thing for me with Liverpool is Liverpool are about a vibe and an energy and, and a mojo. And that got broken last year with the injuries. Jurgen Klopp was almost exhausted at one point and was worried about his health. The, the form was wrong. If they get their mojo back with this group of players, as Robbie's talked about, they're in the conversation. Just one more player I think we should add is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mm, if you remember yeah. last season, there was mm. big periods where he wasn't at it. He got left out of the England squad. You know, he had, he had some tough times. 
And from the end of last season, after that happened to him, and this game again, he looks right back at it. And there's such a better team when he's in top form. You have to say, Jurgen Klopp stuck by him, though, didn't he? All the way yeah. through mm. last season. Like you say, he had dips in form, mm. but Jurgen Klopp never yeah. wavered from picking Trent Alexander-Arnold. Let's talk about the headline, shall we, that really hit the back pages over the summer. Grealish, the signing for Manchester City, who we think we'll see today for $139 million from Villa, a British record transfer fee. Manchester United were busy. They were spending big on Jadon Sancho. And then yesterday, Rafael Varane was cemented and he was introduced to the crowd. $59 million from Real Madrid. Romelu Lukaku will play next weekend for Chelsea. $135 million from Inter Milan. Ben White played on Friday. $70 million from Brighton for Arsenal. And Liverpool signed Ibrahima Konate, who was on the bench for them yesterday at Carrow Road, for $51 million from RB Leipzig. Those were the headlines of the summer. With much more flesh to those bones, I can <laughs> cross back live to North London. Arlo White is alongside our newest member of the NBC team, our Premier League insider, David Ornstein. Arlo, it's over to you. Yeah, David gets his second appearance of the season already this weekend. David, good morning to you. Great to see you. Let's start with Manchester United, shall we? Because they opened up with a 5-1 win over Leeds United. It was great to see those two big clubs going head-to-head again in front of a packed Old Trafford crowd. Do you get the sense, though, that this season for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it's now or never? Hello, morning. I think that Manchester United yesterday laid down a marker, and I do think it is now or never for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, because if you think of the top Premier League managers, the likes of uh, Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, um, and managers of that ilk, they've probably got a bit longer credit in the bank. Thomas Tuchel as well at Chelsea, who we'll come on to talk about. Uh, With Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you feel he's on thin ice. And therefore, the start that they had yesterday was spectacular. It didn't incorporate their two new signings, fully anyway, Jadon Sancho and Rafael Varane. There could be more to come in the market, we don't know. And for them to hit their straps like that was incredibly impressive. The atmosphere at Old Trafford was sensational. He's just signed a new contract. He's not won a trophy yet at Manchester United. And so for all the glory yesterday, they do need to keep it up. I think they've got a very good chance of competing for this title and in European competition, in domestic cups as well. But I'll be clear, they have to. And it's not too dissimilar at Chelsea, who started with a win yesterday as well, without their new signing, mm. Romelu Lukaku, and maybe one more to come in Jules Kunde. So there's pressure at the top, and it's, it's good competition. Absolutely there is. Talking about competition, Jack Grealish, will he get a start today? Will we see him today here at Tottenham Hotspur in the shirts and the colours of Manchester City? It was a fascinating deal that was done with Aston Villa. Take us behind the scenes. It was. It was inevitable for many people, but not Aston Villa, who wanted to keep hold of him. They wanted him to sign a new contract. They threw a lot of money at him to do so. But ultimately, he had a chance to join one of the top clubs in the world to play Champions League football. Villa were sympathetic to that, but only if their demands were met. Now, that was a £100 million release clause uh, that they were reluctant to accept even when it came in. Manchester City were not allowed to know about it. That's the nature of the beast with the English Premier League release clauses. Uh, But Jack Grealish had his eye on it. He was ultimate professional to the last minute until Villa sanctioned his release. Uh, He then went into... Manchester City. He had his eye on the number 19 shirt, actually, which is quite interesting. That was Paul Gascoigne's shirt. They surprised Mm. him with the number 10 shirt. This was also an unusual deal in that it was negotiated by the owners of the clubs, or at ownership level, Khaldun Umubarak for Manchester City and um, Nasef Suarez of Aston Villa. And so that put a different dynamic to this. It showed we were dealing in world record territory. Manchester City got their man, Aston Villa got their money, and Jack Grealish got his move. I think all football fans would love to see him out here on this pristine pitch uh, later on today. Yes, let's hope so. What an exciting player. Um, 
speaking of exciting players, <laughs> who we perhaps don't expect to see, you tell us more. Harry Kane, he could be a Manchester City player at some point. The transfer deadline is August the 31st. Is there any movements on it? What's your latest information on that, David? So my information coming into this weekend was that Harry Kane is due to be on the bench. Now, that can change, but that was the plan uh, as of a day or so ago. Um, there's been no movement on this proposed transfer. As we said the other night on NBC, Manchester City want to sign him. He would like to go there. Tottenham don't want to lose him. As far as I know it, there's no talks between the club that are active at the moment. That could change at any moment. This is complicated. Manchester City, as I've said, will not want to pay more than £100 million, plus maybe 20, 30 million extra in contingencies. Daniel Levy will want a hell of a lot more than that. Talk of 150, 160 million, but he's never said that. He may want even more. Mm. He may just simply say he's not for sale. And if I was a betting man, I would say he's probably going to stay. Another complication is that if Manchester City are going to let him go, they need to sell some players. And as things stand, they've got no concrete offers for any of their players. So so, yes, this will go down to the wire. It will be interesting to see the reception for Kane today. I'm sure he'll be here whether he's involved or not. Mm. Um, and there will be huge speculation on it. It's not going away anytime soon. But I get the sense that Tottenham think that Harry Kane is going to be their player come the end of the transfer window. And the transfer window, it doesn't close until two weeks on Tuesday, which is an age no. in terms of movement in these sort of transfers. Uh, David, thank you very much indeed. Our Premier League insider, Rebecca, more on Harry Kane with the boys. Indeed, we're here in the boot room. Arlo, David, thank you very much indeed. And Harry Kane, of course, is our topic of conversation. Interesting, Robbie Musto, that David's information as of now, or coming into the weekend, is that he will start on the bench. <clears throat> you both yesterday felt that that yeah. would be the decision, and that's because you think that would be the right choice? Yeah, I think he's, uh, he's been training, hasn't he, recently? I know he was a little a bit few late days. back in a few days. Uh, it just makes sense to me. I, I don't think we're going to see him, given what's going on and given the numbers involved. Um, but it would make sense that he's on the bench for this game, yeah. Robbie? I think it, it, it's a statement there for, for Spurs, Rebecca, to, to almost go, he's ours. And if you want him, pay the 150 or more, as David seems to be alluding there, and you'll get him. And it's, it's another Spurs saga that, unfortunately, we're not talking about their football and their title hopes. We're talking about whether Kane goes and where, where they are. And, and, and my thought going into this is Spurs have got themselves in this position because... They haven't invested in the football club at the right times. So Harry Kane now is looking at, I've got to go somewhere else to get what I want. Harry Kane ideally would like to stay at Spurs and, and challenge for titles and play in the Champions League, but he's not going to get that. And at 28 years of age, the England captains decide he wants to move. Interesting that David said that Manchester City have to sell in order to buy Harry Kane, but at the moment nobody wants their players. So is it really a foregone conclusion, in your opinion, Robbie, that Harry Kane will become a Manchester City player at the end of August? It's not, it's not a foregone conclusion. Um, I still think it's going to happen. Mm. And with financial fair play uh, in tatters, it's in tatters, isn't it? I mean, what, are they even getting checked for some of these deals now, what we're seeing? Well, Pep Guardiola did say coming into the weekend they are and that, that he was quite strong about this and that's why he said we have to sell before we can buy. So he's, who's going to buy his players, though? They're expensive. Yeah, they're expensive. I mean, they can, still, they can still buy Harry Kane and try and do some sales after that to try and get a little bit of money on the other side of the balance sheet. Um, but, I th you know... It, I, I don't think that's going to stop Man City trying to get him, Rebecca. And, and uh, the whole saga, it, it frustrates me. No matter what it does to the manager, to the fans of the football club, they can't move on. The manager can't plan a team. They can't think about re um, replacements. They can't think about building a new side. Is, is Kane going to be part of it? Is he not going to be part of it? T David's saying there that 
wouldn't be surprised if he's still there at the end of the window. You know, we know this gentleman's agreement or whatever it is, and a lot of people don't like it. I happen to think there's something in that. When you speak to your chairman or your owner and you talk, you, you sign a new contract that, you know what, uh, you know, at some point I'm going to want to move on. Um, listen, I know the ideal is to put a release clause in there, like Jack Grealish had, who's got, mm. I guess, experienced agents. Charlie Kane is Harry Kane's agent that didn't get a release clause put in there. Hence, we have all this kind of unpleasantness, uncertainty. I, I feel bad for the player. And this is a one-off for me because I'm on Harry Kane's side here of what he's done for that football club from 11 years of age. But he signed a contract, Robin. Mm. Yeah, an improved yeah. contract for six years. So right. he has three left. So if you sign a contract, you know that there's a chance Daniel Levy's not going to sell you, right? Wow, yeah, OK. So that's the sort of relationship that, but, that, that players want. Well, then like, think like, of what, what's going to happen if Kane stays. He's not, he's not a sulker. He's not going to not turn up and train him. But you lose a value... His career, he's going to look at his career, Rebecca, and he's going to regret what he's done. He's going to regret that he hasn't been able to win the silverware because Spurs look nowhere near some of the top four teams we've seen. But does he have to take some responsibility? You talked about his agent, his yeah. brother Charlie yeah. and his dad as mm -hmm. well. Absolutely. Is there a naivety to the contract he signed a few years ago without, as Robbie said, the break mm -hmm. clause, without Absolutely like Jack Green's dad? I don't think you would be getting the, the same money for Jack Grealish. You wouldn't have had the speed of transfer, the ability of what they've done. But just think about Aston Villa. Went and got their business done, done quickly with, with Bailey, with, with Ings, uh, coming into the football club. Then got the Jack Grealish, knew it was coming. 100 million, we can do it, and we've moved on. Spurs, if they end up getting the money on the 31st of August, they can't spend it. So the team loses their best player... The team has no chance of growing, and it's like, there you go, Nuno, good luck with that. OK, so Robbie Musto thinks he will be a Manchester City player on September the 1st. Yeah. You? I think he'll be in the, the, the colours of Man City. I think the figures involved and the position of, of, of Harry Kane will drive this through, and I think Daniel Levy will take a deal in the end. OK, let's get the thoughts of Graham Lasso and Lee Dixon alongside Arlo White back in North London. Rebecca, chaps, thank you very much indeed. This is a fascinating situation, <laughs> chaps, isn't it? You know, Graham, he's 28 years of age. He is clearly one of the best strikers in the history of the Premier League. But Harry Kane hasn't won a single medal, winner's medal, in his entire career. It's as close to a guarantee of winning something, isn't it, joining <laughs> Manchester City, as you could get in English football. Do you have some sympathy for him like Robbie Musto does? Uh, yeah, to an extent of course, because you look at the professional achievements and the aspirations and your ability to go and win things which ultimately you, you value when you finish the game. You know, yes I did well financially, yes I had a fantastic career, but also on top of that yes I'm part of these elite clubs that have won things and, and it, that, that group is, is a small group. Um, but what it does do, it, show, it really shines a light on the transfer market and, and how complicated contracts are. Where I don't have any sympathy for him is he signed a, a long-term contract with Tottenham. He accepted that contract. Whatever the terms of the contract are, it doesn't sound to me like there's a buyout clause like mm. Jack Grealish has got. Mm. And if there's a buyout clause and you, make, you match it, the player goes. If that's not in the contract, that's not Daniel Levy's fault. So I've got sympathy for Harry Kane, of course, from a professional point of view. But I also think that there's going to be a power struggle between now and the end of the transfer window to how much he pushes the move and how much Daniel Levy uses that as leverage to get either the highest amount of money for him or, as David Ornstein was saying there, maybe just say, do you know what, you're our player, you've got another three years, let's have this conversation next year. Is it 221 goals he scored for Tottenham. Mm. That in itself warrants a bit of loyalty from both sides. He, he wants to score more goals, he wants to win trophies. 
But look, that, what that gets you is a six-year contract. So the club have done that for him. They've honoured that and gave him a huge amount of money, a six-year deal. If you put pen to paper, I'm a little bit old school. You've got to kind of, OK, you've got to go with rock with the, the good times and the bad times. All of a sudden... Man City come knocking, and Gra- Graham's absolutely right, 100% right. Nobody's going to ask Harry Kane how big his boat is and how many houses he's got around the world. He's going to sit down when he retires, and he's going to look at that trophy cabinet, and he's going to go, if he doesn't move from Tottenham, they might win something, they might win a cup. They're not going to win the league for any time soon. Certainly, I would imagine, in his you know, peak. I do think that from, a, from, a foot, from his footballing point of view, with his injury record... Two years ago was the time to move for him. Now he's two years down the line and he's got these, both, both these ankles are suspect. And there's no doubt about that. And I've had in, ankle injuries and he's had a really bad one. You, you re- very rarely get over that real intensity of a bad ankle. And he's going mm. to have a few problems moving forward. So from a peak point of view, mm. Man City's perfect for him right now because there's no way Harry Kane's dropping into midfield if he's playing for for Man City. He does that for Tottenham because of the way Tottenham play the game. Hang on a minute, Arlo, I haven't finished before you jump in. So it's important for him that he gets his football right and that for him is moving to Man City. Unfortunately, he's got a six-year deal on the table. And Daniel Levy's perfectly in his right unless he's said to Harry Kane, I will honour a gentleman's agreement and you can move in the summer for X amount. I don't believe that, that money and that promise has been made. It might have been made around about or we'll let you go if the money's right the money isn't right so why should he sell him and it should it's got to be in a contract you can't have a gentleman's agreement with anyone without having it written down in a contract the other thing that it shows up to me is the fact that we've got a transfer window you mentioned it when you were speaking to David Mm. that ends two weeks three weeks after the season starts which I think causes so many problems that's got to be put in line with the start of the season so that players when they kick their first ball for their club they know we don't know whether Harry Kane's going to play be on the bench be at the stadium or be at home we don't know any of those things and it's the first game of the season. More really importantly, important. it messes our predictions up because we, <laughs> we don't know who's signing for which, which club before we have to make them. We certainly don't. And he'll be 29 by next summer mm. with those injury problems mm-hmm. that you talked about. Having said that, he just had his best season since 2017-18. So here is a player in his prime. We'll see what happens. That was the boot room, the first of the season. Many more to come, of course, and the fans are starting to gather. Just all weekend, the emotions and the atmospheres at grounds around the Premier League has been second to none. And so much about this game has been about Harry Kane. But Nuno Espirito Santo, not the first choice, second, third, maybe not even the sixth choice, but he's come in. And what a performance from Spurs today. Incredible performance with everything that's going on at this football club. Did anybody expect that? The support from the, from the fans, the organisation of the team, the effort of the players on the back of the support, the, the, the crowd there, the noise there. I can almost hear them from London here in Stamford, Connecticut. Um, just an amazing performance. And that stadium filled, Rebecca. I mean, wow. We saw some good scenes. Different size stadium. Uh, Brentford beating Arsenal. But that, that was a special performance. And it wasn't just a win. It no. was that he had a plan. And they very much <laughs> played to an interesting plan. Did he have a plan? When you think of the change of manager, the hurricane situation going on, not an awful lot of time of work on the training ground with players been in tournaments, etc. in the pre-season. To have a performance like that, to set his team up with the Christmas tree, to allow people, uh, City, to have the ball in, in the wide areas. But the... Not just the tactics, Rebecca. The biggest thing that got me today was the joy in the hard work that the players were doing. Oliver Skip, Jaffe Tandanga, Deli Alley, uh, Hoiber, you know, Eric Dyer, Lucas Moura, all kind of 
running for that shirt, giving everything 100%. The connection already looks like Nuno's got there. And that was just the last chapter in what's been an incredible opening weekend in the Premier League. We have been promised Pep Guardiola at our pitch side desk. We're also being told we're going to hear from Nuno Espirito Santo <sighs> and from Hyung Min Son as well. On Son, if we don't see Harry Kane in a Spurs shirt again, could this be actually not unfavourable for somebody like Hyung Min Son? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we were talking about it, all three of us, sort of like... It looked like he was enjoying himself as being, you know what, another Harry Kane. I'm the man. I'm playing up front in this team. Mm. I've got the ability that Kane's got. I can potentially get the number of goals, maybe from a central area. Um, but the, the effort from him and everybody else, I, I said before the game, my only slight doubt with Nuno was, are the players going to buy into him and, mm. you know, where he's been before? Not a huge name in terms of managers. My goodness, that is mm. a buy-in. Mm. And that, in terms of, Rob, of where they go in the future... Yeah. He's got them. He's got them already, Rebecca, on day one. He's got them and he's got the fans. Yep. What's yeah. Pep's biggest takeaway? Um, that he needs $150 million to buy a centre forward <laughs> and then, then he'll be OK. I mean, he'll be disappointed. Um, Rebecca, they got slowed down. The, the, the play became a bit more predictable. Spurs had to defend, but they defended on situations that you'd expect to against a City team. Didn't have all the, the buzz about them. Yes, there's lots of players missing. Yes, they're going to get better. But um, it's disappointing when the other three have won and everybody's setting a marker. They didn't set one down today. Well, we are pitch side at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and I'm delighted to say that Hyun Min Son, the goal scorer, has joined us and he's just promised us that he could do an American accent, but we won't ask <laughs> you to do that live. Please, please, please. Don't be embarrassing me here. I will not. A, I will not. On, so. Well, you've done far from embarrass yourself today because that was a magnificent goal and it capped a performance that, that suggests that everyone believes in what Nuno Espirito Santo is, is teaching you here? No, I think from the, from the start we could see that, uh, that players wanted, uh, want to win the game and then they believe. I think with, uh, sometimes uh, when you don't have a ball, you're frustrated. But we were not today. So we are enjoying, even without the ball, we are fighting. So I think it was an unbelievable performance. I mean, I scored a goal. It was just an incredible team performance. And, and obviously you set up to be counter-attacking against Manchester City, but you were brave as well. You kept three of you up front, yourself, Stephen Bergwijn, were up there, and, and Lucas. Um, how much did your sort of your tactical awareness play in, in, in terms of the victory? Well, we know we know when City is going to have the ball most of, most of times because they're dominating all the time with the ball. So, yeah, we are... We want, to, we want to stay in the good shape. We want to counter-attack uh, when we have a ball because they're going to be open and they're going to be attacking. So we know when we don't have a ball, we have a good opportunity to, to attack. So I think that we did we did amazingly counter-attack. First of all, we first half, we missed a couple of chances with the counter-attack, especially, especially me. I had a <laughs> couple of chances, but I made a, some bad decisions. So, but still, I think uh, we were brave. Even without the ball, I said before. So I mean, it was just incredible, enjoyable. Just give the viewers in America an idea on how long you were working on that tactically. You got Man City coming up first game. How long have you been working in training on that system? So, I mean, we know we, the the new manager has come uh, from from the summer. We know as soon as when he arrived, we wanted we wanted the same same product uh, what we wanted. So I think the tactical has been working all the preseason. And I mean, we know what to do. You know, when I go on the left, when I go on the right, when I go, in, when I when I stay in the middle, we know we know what we what I have to do, what we exactly have to do. So I think it's important that everyone know what we have to do. So, what difference does it make having sixty thousand people in this place as a as a top level footballer? I mean, 
I don't have to say anything because you could feel it, you know, like obviously in front of TV, probably the the fans couldn't feel it, the, the life, but I mean, it's just incredible. They give us so much support, so much positive energy. I mean, I really enjoyed it. It's what's been maybe, I don't know, more than 12 months yeah. without the fans. So, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I miss them so much. You said about the positive energy. I see a Tottenham there with so much positive energy. You mentioned the word bravery. Everyone was brave, committed to that performance. Do you think the spirit here now is, is, is of, a, of a spirit where you can really build something this season? Uh, yeah, I hope so. I, I hope so because uh, the season is long. It's uh, really early to say. I don't want to celebrate too much because... Obviously, it's a big thing we beat Man City, but this is only one first first game yeah. of the season. So yeah, let's see. Let's be positive all the way from the from now till end of season. Obviously, we will have some bad games, bad bad results, but we still need to be positive about uh, playing the game because of what we do, what we love. Yeah. So mm. on the pitch, we do what we love. So we should just enjoy. We should be really positive and proud. Harry Kane ourselves. won't get his place back now. <laughs> it's always great to watch you play it's even better talking to you and seeing your smiling face Sonny well one smiling face that belonged to Hyun Min Son is replaced by another from the manager Nuno Espirito Santo congratulations thank you, on thank a terrific you. first performance in charge here at Tottenham in front of 60 odd thousand tell us about the game plan and how happy you are that it was executed the, the players executed. They make the, the game plan with their actions, after, action after action, with their tasks, and the commitment that they show. I think um, we were well organized. It's very tough to play against City. The way they build, the way they try to break our lines, uh, it requires a lot of discipline. And the boys did well. You obviously in the system was a little bit different than what we've seen Tottenham play before. Do you set that system out way into pre-season? Do, do you know how you're going to play against City? Um, not only against City. It's about having an idea, a shape. Uh, and I think uh, the, the work of, of us as managers is to find the solutions to make the tasks and the work of the players easier. And it's about complicities. And we are building the, the small societies inside of of the team, but we have to have a general idea, and the general idea is about being organised and explore the talent because we have a talent squad. Absolutely. Did you did you believe that the players could deliver that level of urgency and physicality through 90 minutes? Given, as you said, that City are going to dominate possession because they were on another level today. I felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only today. I think uh, the way the the way the players are preparing themselves every day, the credit for them. Uh, even in pre-season, the final games, we were always able to finish stronger, faster than our opponents. And this is basic because the game, it's a long, long, long Have period. Have you worked some really hard in pre-season then? They work really hard and it's the moment to work. It's yeah, when yeah. you build your foundation, you know better than I, anyone. I feel as if I'm pleased that they're working hard because I did when I was playing, so I want them to. And too. me also, <laughs> yeah, and me exactly. also. It's, it's when you build everything. As a right-back, I'll ask the question. <laughs> Jaffa Tanganga, what a talent, what a defender, what a one-on-one what -on -one defender. Yeah. Describe his performance and, and him as a character. He did very well. He did very well. He's, he's, a, he's a defender, like you say. And to defend, you need to, to enjoy defending. Yeah. It's like a striker scores one goal, a defender every time wins a duel. It's, it's there. And Jaffet did well. Not only Jaffet. I think the team really, really worked hard. Have, have you got an attitude this season of it being about positivity? 
Hyunmin Song was talking about, you know, it was really upbeat, really positive, and that gave the energy, I think, to the team. Do you feel that that's one of the big messages of this season is, you know, there's a new stadium, fans are back, let's have a season that's positive. There's going to be ups and downs, of course, of course. but about getting something positive from every game. Look, one thing, one thing, honestly, that the, the pandemic has shown everybody, we have to enjoy it. We have to enjoy it every day. I think that's the proof to everyone that, that is in football. With fans, you have to enjoy it. And the players are enjoying, enjoying. Of course, it's going to take time to build uh, everything, to everything to settle down. We are knowing each other. But like you say, being positive, it's the basic. And uh, common sense in every actions that we have as a group. We are in the process. Nuno, I've drawn the short straw to ask the Harry Kane question. So uh, what are you expecting to happen this week? Normal week with Harry, he, he reports to training. Is that what you're expecting? No, is it what's happening? Harry didn't join us today because um, he joined us late. He's preparing himself. He trained this morning and he's preparing himself to help the team. There, mm. Harry is one of the best players in the world and we are really, really fortunate to have him so when he's ready he's so gonna he's gonna be in theory he could be available for selection you've got a, a conference league game haven't you this week and then you go back to Wolves right next week yeah but now we have tomorrow we have tomorrow <laughs> and tomorrow is the day and these boys know they have to recover well because they work really hard today it's about when preparing for the next one is the first step of of, of, of 30 commitment. seconds ago yeah, <laughs> much more than that. Then the Cubs and the, everything, every game is going to be very hard for us. Nuno, congratulations. Thank you. That Thank genuinely you. was a terrific performance today. Nuno Espirito Santo. Pep, you said in the build-up to the game that you didn't expect your team to start the season, you know, as, as you ended last season, and it was possibly going to be a slow start. What is your assessment of the opening performance here against Well, Tottenham? you see the lower start was completely the opposite. You see the first 15 <laughs> minutes we were brilliant. That wasn't expected. So we cannot compare when uh, two days ago was the first day we were together and many players, Kevin, for example, didn't do one training session during the season comparing what happened last season. So we are the same than last season and... Uh, we are going to come back and fortunately have the same feeling every time we come here. We are good. We play more than decent. I didn't expect to be brilliant today, but we play with incredible personality. But we could not control today what we have to avoid against teams like Tottenham is the transitions. Mm -hmm. Normally we are good doing that, not create much, but every time we lose the ball, especially in the beginning, the simple actions, uh, we have to defend in our box. And when that's happened... Most of the times we suffer because we are not good in that. We are good in, in having to match the control in the game. But maybe because it's the beginning, it's normal, and now we are going to start to, to five days to make another training session and, and uh, sessions and Norwich next one. Just give us an insight into your preparation for a game. Do you, do you watch the opposition? Do you know how the, what system we're going to play? Because Nuno sort of changed the system a little bit today, and I thought they got it about right trying to run up the three up front and trying to hit you on the break. Do you take any notice of how the opposition are players are all about how you play? No, no, of course we take a look. So Nuno with balls the five years we play against against them. Mm -hmm. Always play five in the back, but we saw all the games this season with Chelsea against Chelsea against Arsenal and Fairly Games they play with 4 3 3 with a so narrow yeah. the 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 wingers for us be there when regain the ball and attack here. Mm -hmm. That's why we, we attack with the fullbacks more inside to control there, but 
always, you know, when you are alone and you lose the ball, always you will get a counter-attack. And that was the problem. But of course, you take a look at the opponent. They deserve it to take a look. <laughs> and, and, and in terms of the physical side of the games, I mean, they play, they seem to raise their game to a level that I've not seen them play at for, for quite some time, Tottenham, in terms of the physicality. Do you think the fans and the atmosphere, and it's their home yeah, game, they're playing against you as champions, it just got them up a little bit? Yeah, of course, definitely. It's a play home, you know, you, you play in front of your people more than one year and a half out. And, uh, yeah, we knew it. Uh, we knew it that, uh, that, that that could happen. Uh, Tottenham is one of the physical, more the physical team I ever seen in my career. I remember when I were in... Uh, in this, where Harley, my first season here, we lost 2 0. I said, Wow, what a team! <laughs> <laughs> so, they're huge, uh, strong, and everything. Always has been like this. And a uh, speed team, incredible, good in transition. So, with Nuno, always had been like this. We knew it. So, when we made high pressing, what did they do? Long ball. We were pressing a lot, long. They, don't, they don't make the process to, to make the build up. And when they, you all go there and they win the second ball, Lufkas Mora make a dribble and run. This ball, you have to defend here in the box. Mm -hmm. You cannot stay high. And we saw a little bit with that. And when we had the balls, when our position, so passes to inside, outside, lose the ball, Regalion go. That ball is difficult to control. You have to improve a little bit in that. And day by day, game by game, will be better. Uh, Pep, the hurricane story won't go away until the, the deadline day, until the transfer window closes. Will you be buying or interested in buying a striker, whether it's Harry Kane or somebody else? Listen, uh, we are the same guys still last season, except Sergio went to Barcelona. We miss Sergio a lot this year, but he played seven games last season. Most of the time was injured. So, Jake came, so we were the same team, like... Uh, we control and we win brilliantly the Premier League. We get, we are the same guys. So just a little bit question of time. I know in football is no time. I know I'm not asking time because I remember last season was October, October, September, October. We were out absolutely for all the candidates to to win the Premier League, and after we did it. So, but I had the feeling every season the the Premier League is tougher, is stronger, is do it, but we need time. Every time, I know it, but at the same time, you have to win games. And uh, the way we played, we tried, we were ourselves to say, OK, we go over you, we're going to try it. But normally, when this happens, you have to control the transitions. And today, uh, we could not do it because in the simple, in the basic things, I have the ball, don't lose the ball, we could not do it. Pep, thank you very much. You're very you welcome. We'll talk thank to you. Man. Enjoy. Great thank thank you. you. Great to see you. Thank you, mate. Thank you. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.